We've been on quite a journey over the past eight weeks as we have been working through the material in the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, written by Pastor Pete Scazzaro. And throughout this series, we've used this image of an iceberg to capture this idea that, that we all have layers that lie beneath the surface in our lives, um, layers that, that other people can't necessarily see, and sometimes they're even um, hidden to ourselves. And, and we've been trying to, as we've go, been going through this series, to, to learn how to uncover those deeper parts of us. Um, we've, we've talked about the importance of acknowledging our emotions um, to acknowledge that that's a part of who we are, and, and we need to, to attend to those things, not just following them blindly, but, but being aware of, of how we're feeling and why that is. And we've talked about ways that our families and the past have shaped us, and, and being able to, to look back in order to go forward. Uh, we've talked about the value of embracing losses and limits in our lives, that, that that's a part of the reality of life, that we continually have losses and we, we have limits, and, and how to grieve those things in, in a healthy way to deal with them rather than just ignoring them or, or trying to, to push them aside. And, and then we've talked about developing rhythms in our lives, uh, like the daily office, the idea of stopping multiple times a day to, to be in prayer and in silence before God and hearing his word. And, and we've talked about the, the rhythm of the Sabbath, of a weekly rhythm of stopping uh, to rest in God um, that can help us to slow down and create space for God to work in those iceberg areas. And then last week we talked about uh, how to think about being emotionally healthy in our relationships with other people, uh, you know, to, to not treat people as objects, but to treat them as, as fellow um, brothers and sisters created in the image of God. But here's the thing. We've gone through a lot of things over these, these past weeks, and it could be very easy after this week to take those books that we've been working on, to put them on the shelf, and to just move on with our lives as if, well, that was a nice thing that we did, and, and that was good that we went through that, but then we kind of just, we move on without any lasting change in our lives. Here's the thing, the culture around us is going to keep pressuring us to ignore these things that we've been talking about. The culture around us is going to keep pressuring us to go back to being busy and not resting and not stopping to be silent before God. And the culture around us is going to pressure us to not, to not think about those deeper parts of ourselves and to just go back to wearing that false self and to remain emotionally immature in our interactions with other people. And so this eighth and final chapter that we're looking at today addresses this issue by, by encouraging us to think about what kind of structure would we need to build into our lives that'll help these principles that we've been talking about take root in our lives in a deep and lasting way so that they don't just become sort of a study that we did for eight weeks and then we move on to the next thing. So today's topic is to develop a rule of life. And we're going to be talking about what that means, what a rule of life is, um, and, and how this practice can be a key to sustaining all the other things that we've talked about over the past seven weeks. And so as an entry point into this idea of a rule of life, we're going to look at the community of life of the earliest believers, uh, those first Christians who, who became believers right on the day of Pentecost. Uh, we're going to be looking at, at how they structured their lives to begin to take 
root in, into a, the new life that they'd been given in Christ. And so our text today is from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And we'll have those verses on the screen, uh, or you can follow in your Bibles. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42, says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the things that you have taught us over this series, the ways that you have opened us up to the deeper work that you want to do in our lives. And we pray that today, Lord, you would show us uh, some tools and gifts that you've given us to help that change become lasting and embedded in us, Lord. And so we pray that you open our ears and our hearts to receive what you have today as we look at, at what you were doing in those early believers in Acts and, and what you're wanting to do in us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start today by just looking at the question, what is a rule of life? Uh, what, is, what is that phrase? What's that talking about? Well, in this week's chapter, uh, Pete Scazzaro explains that the word rule actually comes from the Greek word for trellis. And a trellis is a tool that, as you can see in this picture, enables a grapevine to get off the ground and grow upward um, so that it can become more fruitful and productive. That a trellis is sort of the structure that, that a grapevine can, can grow around to, in order to help it, it, it produce. And so Scazzaro says in the, in the chapter, in the same way, a rule of life, a trellis of life, is a trellis that helps us abide in Christ and become more fruitful spiritually. A rule of life very simply is an intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything we do. It's an intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything we do. Uh, the scripture reading that, that Elizabeth read earlier from from John 15 that talked about Jesus as the vine and we are the branches and that we can do nothing apart from him. We have to remain in him to bear fruit. And, and so a rule of life is basically a structure that helps us to do that, that helps us to remain in him so that he can produce fruit in our lives. It's a, a conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything we do. This concept of a rule of life dates back actually to the third or fourth century when um, there were men and women who withdrew from society into the Egyptian desert and they formed monastic communities. And, and as, they, as they formed these communities, they, they structured their daily life around this sort of agreed upon rule or, or plan of work, prayer, scripture study. And they called this a rule of life. Um, and, and, and so monastic communities, you know, ever since then have, have used this idea of a rule of life that shapes their, their life as a community. The most well-known um, of those monastic rules is written by St. Benedict in the 6th century. But 
the ideas behind this monastic rule idea actually goes back to the Bible. Right? It's, not, it's not that they just came up with this here, but, but there are things in Scripture that points to this idea of structuring our lives in certain ways. And, and we saw this in the text that I just read from Acts chapter 2, where the earliest Christians decided as a community that they were going to embrace certain practices that would shape their life as a community. And so Acts 2, uh, verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That these were certain elements that they, that they said, these need to be at the center of our lives to unite us as a body and to keep us rooted in Christ. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, being together, the breaking of bread, eating together, the, the Lord's Supper and, and, and prayer. And in this week's chapter, uh, Pete Scazzaro, he gives an example of, of what he is talking about by this idea of a rule of life. It, it's on page 194 in the book, for those of you who have the books. Um, and he lists four broad categories as we think about, you know, what are some of the things that we should really structure our lives around? What are ways that we can kind of build this trellis in our lives to help us become more fruitful? And, and uh, so I just want to walk through those, those categories that, that he lays out. The first category he, he highlights is prayer. Um, and that's what we see in Acts 2, too, right? That that was a central part of their life, that they committed to prayer, being a centerpiece of their life together. Um, in, in the chapter, uh, Pete Scazzaro lists four elements that might fall under this category. Uh, he lists scripture, silence and solitude, the daily office, and study. Um, and so these are kind of different, different elements that, that, that we might put under this category of prayer as we're seeking to, to have prayer be a part of our lives. Um, and he, and he, the thing is, you can take any of those and sort of build out specific ideas in each of those. So for instance, under the category of scripture, maybe one of the things that you're wanting to do in terms of building this trellis, this rule of life, is you know, saying, I want to read a psalm a day. I want to just spend some time in this book, in the Bible, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna make I'm gonna read a psalm a day, or or maybe I'm gonna read through one of the Gospels in a month, and I'm gonna do it prayerfully. And I'm gonna ask God, you know, what are you teaching me through the Gospels? Or maybe you say I want to read through the entire Bible in a year, and that's gonna be this discipline that I want to put into my life of of digging into God's Word. The the early Christians it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and where do we get the apostles' teaching? It's it's in in the Bible, in the Word, where we, where we understand the same teaching that they receive. Under the category of the daily office, we talked about this um, you know, a couple weeks ago, but maybe one of the things you're wanting to do is, is to take that day-by-day book that we've been working through and saying, I want to keep going with this beyond these eight weeks. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and I'm going to go through the book again. You know, I'm going to go through these daily offices a second time, or I'm going to find a new book to, to try to do that. Maybe under silence and solitude, as you've been practicing the idea of being silent for two minutes, you say, I want to, I want to keep that as a part of a, the rhythm in my life. And so before I read the Bible, I'm going to, I'm going to do that two minutes of silence. Before I, before I have my prayer time, I'm going to do those two minutes of silence. The next category that, that Scazzaro lists is the category of rest. And under that, he puts, again, um, some subheadings, Sabbath, simplicity, and play and recreation. 
And so we talked about this again two weeks ago, this idea of the Sabbath. And so one of the things maybe you want to think about at the end of this study is, is are you building Sabbath into your life right now? You know, what is that 24-hour period going to be for you? And how can you make your Sabbath be more of what we were talking about, this idea of, of resting and stopping, but also delighting and having, doing things that are life-giving on the Sabbath? Is, is it going to be Sunday? Is it going to be Saturday evening to Sunday afternoon or Friday night to su- Saturday night? What things do you need to stop doing to really rest during that time period? What kind of activities bring you delight that you, that you want to practice during your Sabbath? Um, that category of simplicity is under this, this idea of rest because sometimes in order to rest, we need to simplify our lives. We need to cut back on certain things. We need to remove distractions and, and things that keep us constantly busy and hurrying. So what areas of your life do you need to simplify in order to rest? Um, Marie Kondo, uh, in the show Tidying Up, talks about simplifying your possessions, going through your, your, your possessions in your house and, and tidying up and, and getting rid of certain things that don't bring you joy and, 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 and having things organized in your home. Well, maybe we need to take some tips from that in terms of our schedule. Maybe we need to look, take a look at our schedule and see, are there things in my schedule that, that I actually need to let go of because they're not, they're not giving life and they're, they're actually just making me busier and, and hurrying more and more. Where do we need to simplify in order to have time to rest and to play? And, and as that third category is to, to, yeah, to play and, and have recreation, that that should be a part of our life. We're experiencing that. The next category um, is work or activity. And for many of us, this is really what takes up the bulk of our week, right? For, for students, um, it's going to school and doing your homework. And that's, that takes up a lot of time. That's your work. That's your activity. For, for those of us who are working full-time or, or part-time, that's, that's a big part of our lives is, is our jobs or our careers. Uh, for those who have retired... There's still a big part of just what you're doing, kind of what you're busy with in your time, hobbies or activities, commitments. But as we can easily let work and those activities overwhelm us, Scazzaro lists two other things that we should really think about in terms of this rule of life under this category. One is service and mission, and the second is care for the physical body. So how is God calling you to serve him? to serve his church, to serve people, to serve people in need. If you look at your schedule and you realize, like, I have, I have no time to serve God, something's out of whack there. Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to be a part of God's body and to serve with our gifts, to be a part of that. How is he calling you to, to be involved with his mission of proclaiming the gospel to people in your lives? Maybe that means, you know, volunteering with a ministry in our church. But maybe it means just thinking about what can you do in your own individual life or in your family life to serve and love your neighbors or your coworkers or your friends. And that second area, are you making time to care for your physical body? The kind of food you eat, what you do for exercise, how much sleep you get, these things are actually part of our walk with God. Whether you, whether you think about it or not, because God has given us our bodies, and he's called us to care for them. And so as we think about the rule of life is about inviting God into every part of us, 
This is a part of our lives, is our, is our, our physical body and caring for them. Now, I am preaching to myself here, too, because I love ice cream. And, and I struggle to make time for exercise a lot of times. And I usually go to bed way too late. And so I, this is an area that I say, God, I need you to, to show me how to develop good rhythms for caring for my body. My metabolism is slowing down as I am no longer in my early 20s anymore. And so I'm thankful that this is a part of thinking about a rule of life, which means keeping God at the center of everything we do. And the last category that Schizero uh, lists is relationships. And under that, he puts emotional health, family, and community. Um, and in parentheses, they're companions for the journey. So how is God calling you to continue to grow in emotional health? We've talked a lot about that in the series, right? The importance, again, of, of, of attending to our emotions and being willing to face losses and grief. And so how is God calling you to continue in these things, to not just leave this in this series? Maybe, he, maybe he's opened your eyes to some of this, to, to the reality of your emotions. And maybe you've begun to understand how your family of origin has shaped you. And maybe he's calling you to go deeper into that, to really dig into that and see, see what he wants to show you. So how could you continue to grow in those areas? Maybe that means journaling regularly. Spending time, you know, just journaling about how you're feeling about different things or, or journaling about your losses. Maybe it's, it's reading other books on this topic, you know, looking to continue to learn in these areas. Or maybe it's talking to a counselor or talking to a trusted friend, you know, talking to someone who's in your small group, you know, saying, let's, let's keep thinking about these things together. Under the category of family, if you're married, how is God calling you to invest in your marriage? Invest in that, that, that primary relationship. If, if you're a parent, how's God calling you to, to grow in your parenting? Or if you're a grandparent, how to invest in, in your kids and, and their, their kids. If you're single, how is God calling you to invest in your family, in, in your parents or your siblings or, or other family members? And then under that, that category of community, how are you cultivating relationships with other people who will be companions for your journey? Are you part of a small group? Are you part of a group that you're journeying together? Do you have a mentor figure in your life who's pouring into you? Do you have someone that you are pouring into, that you're mentoring? Do you have friends and peers on your journey toward emotionally healthy spirituality? Do you have people that you can come alongside of to encourage each other? Now, after all of that, you may be feeling a little overwhelmed. Okay, I want to just acknowledge that. There's a lot there. Those were 12 different areas that you might want to incorporate into a rule of life. But before you just throw up your hands and just basically tune me out, I want to ask you to consider just two questions um, that I want to reflect on before, before we wrap up here. Because as we think about, you know, what is this rule of life? I want to first ask the question, so what is the value of this? What is the value of a rule of life? I mean, why should you even consider this? Maybe, again, you just feel like, that just sounds like too much work, and it's overwhelming. And So why should you consider it? What's the value of it? And then secondly, how should you implement this in a way that's not going to be overwhelming, in a way that, that 
doesn't fall into some pitfalls that can happen with something like this. So I want to touch on both of those questions before we wrap up. So first, what is the value of a rule of life? Well, in this week's workbook, um, for those of you who are in small groups who are going to be going through this this week in our small groups, there's an exercise that brings back this image that we looked at two weeks ago of a blizzard swirling around us. And there's this story of, you know, this idea of, of you're caught in the midst of a blizzard and you're, and you're, you're away from your home. Or, and, and this question of what can keep you tied, what can keep you anchored in the midst of that blizzard? What's a rope that will, that will keep you as this blizzard is swirling around you that'll find your way home in the midst of that, that blizzard? There are all kinds of blizzards that hit us in our lives. And sometimes there are, there, there are events that happen. Sometimes it's a loss, again, that happens in our lives. But sometimes the blizzards in our lives are just all around us. It's the culture that we live in. There is this blizzard of busyness and rushing that's just all around us in our lives. You just, you just live in this world and there's just this, this inundation of of busyness and constant information and this pressure to do more and to work harder and to go faster. And in a blizzard like that, the idea of resting, of stopping one day a week, the idea of just being silent and doing nothing is really hard to do in that blizzard. There's this blizzard of self-centeredness that we talked about last week that that just pressures us to, to think about everybody in relationship to me. That I just think about, you know, these people, are they, are they worth my time? Are they, is this person going to benefit me, this relationship? Or if not, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to discard that. And we begin to think about people as objects rather than as, as human beings in God's image who God may be calling us to love as a neighbor. And so there's this blizzard that it can be very hard to say, I'm going to be emotionally mature in how I'm relating to other people. Well, in the book of Daniel, in the Old Testament, the prophet Daniel, he lived in a culture very different from, from his own. He lived in the nation of Babylon, and he was trained and educated in Babylonian culture. He worked under a Babylonian king, and he knew that there were elements of Babylonian culture that were at odds with the values of the kingdom of God. And so to withstand the pressure of just completely becoming Babylonian, just sort of just melting into everybody else around him, Daniel knew he needed to have certain intentional practices to structure his life around so that he wouldn't just assimilate to Babylonian culture. So some of those things that we see in the book of Daniel, he, he prayed three times a day. He knew he needed to be with God three times a day to keep that connection to God. He refused to eat certain foods. And he took intentional steps to, to say, no, no, I'm actually going to be different than everybody else around me. And he knew that if he didn't do those things, it would be very easy to just slowly adopt the Babylonian values and priorities. And soon he would, he would lose contact with, with God and with the values of the kingdom of God. And the same thing is true for, for us. 
if we are not taking intentional steps to make God the center of all areas in our lives, we will very easily just adopt the values and patterns of the culture around us. Because that's what we're surrounded by. That's the, that's the images that we're getting. That's, that's the messages we're getting constantly in media and just the people around us. And so we might call ourselves Christians. We might say that we're following Jesus. But if our lives don't look any different from the people around us who don't say that they follow Jesus, we have to stop and wonder have we gotten lost in the blizzard? Have we just become assimilated into what the rest of the culture is? And so a rule of life can keep us anchored in Christ in the midst of a culture that is pressuring us to abandon the values of God's kingdom. That, that a rule of life, making these intentional choices to pray, regularly, to rest, to go against the culture of busyness and more, 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 and to work in a healthy way and, and to say that my work is not going to just be about me, it's going to be also about serving, and to approach relationships in a way that's different from our culture, that's not just using people, but that's giving of ourselves. These choices if we actually start doing them, guess what? We are going to stand out in our culture. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be his witnesses. He wants us, as, as, the, the, as the people in the book of Acts and Acts 2, as they started living differently, everybody else in Jerusalem noticed, these people are different. What are they doing? And, 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 and the text tells us that the Lord added to their number daily people who are being saved because they saw something happening in this community that was different, something that they wanted. If we start living differently by different rhythms in our lives, guess what? People are going to notice. And maybe some people are going to say, you know what? I kind of like that. I wouldn't mind being less busy in my life. Why are you able to rest? Well, it's because I don't get my value from my work. I get my value from God and his word. We start being able to be that witness. We can, we can have a great impact. So that's, this is the value of having a, a rule of life. But the last question is, how should we implement this? How should we implement? Maybe, maybe I've convinced you that, okay, maybe I should consider this. Maybe I should think about these, these, these structures in my life. But, but how, do we, how do we do it? Where do we start? And not just talk about it. Well, the first thing is to start slow. To start slow. Don't try to do things in all 12 of those areas. Don't just go out and say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this rule of life thing. Because you know what? If you start trying to do all those things at once, it's going to last for maybe a week. You're going to burn out and you're going to say, I'm done with that. <laughs> so start slow. Pick one area. One. Start with one. One area among those 12. And then choose one thing that you want to start implementing into your life. Just one. 
Maybe it's the daily office. Maybe, maybe you've kind of appreciated that, that rhythm during this series. And you say, you know what? I want to make this thing stick in my life. So I'm going to keep doing that daily office two times a day. Maybe it's the Sabbath. I'm going to focus on that. I really want to try to get a Sabbath. And, and I'm not going to get it right away, but I'm going to keep, keep at it. Maybe it's journaling your emotions. Maybe it's committing to meet with a friend to talk about how you're doing spiritually. I don't know what it is. But ask God, God, what are you, what's the one thing you're wanting me to start with to help me start to build this rule of life into my life? And then give your time, yourself time to let that practice take root. Take, take weeks, take months. Focus on that one thing until you, until you finally feel like, okay, I've got this. This is a part of my life now. Then maybe think about bringing in a new element. We've got a lot of time ahead of us. There's no rush. Let's take our time, but start living into these, these structures and these, these rhythms in our lives. The second thing, though, as you're thinking about implementing this rule of life, is to guard against legalism, self-righteousness, and shame. There are definitely pitfalls with this idea of a rule of life. It can be very easy to get legalistic about this, where we, we begin focusing more on just keeping the rules rather than the purpose behind them. Once you start feeling like this rule of life idea is just a heavy burden and it's just an obligation that you have to get through, stop it. Just take a break from it for a little while. You know? If it feels like it's, it's just it's, it's this thing weighing you down. That's not what it's meant to be. It's not meant to be a burden. It's meant to be a trellis that supports us, that encourages us. So maybe consider dropping elements of it. As Pete Scazzaro says, a rule of life, it's a, it's a work in progress, always. So it's okay to, to change things up. This thing isn't working. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this other thing. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath is not meant to be a a burden, a thing that that we have to structure. It's it's meant to be a gift. It's made for us. And so this rule of life, it should be a gift. It should be something that's drawing us closer to Christ. And so if if it's not doing that, then then ask God, God, you know, how how can you, what do you want to lead me into that's going to draw me closer to you? rather than that's going to feel like a burden. Now, there might be times where maybe you start to feel, and this is feeling heavy, and sometimes God wants us to press through and just keep that discipline going, and, and sometimes he brings us through those periods of time too, but that's something to wrestle with God about. You know, God, are you wanting me to let go of this? Cause me to, but don't be legalistic about it, right? We don't need to be legalistic about this. The second thing to guard against is self-righteousness. Because of our sinful nature, we can easily turn something good that we're doing into something that makes us feel superior to others and prideful. Following a rule of life doesn't make you any better than someone who isn't following a rule of life. God doesn't love you more if you have a rule of life. So guard against developing a judgmental and self-righteous attitude. This is meant to be a gift to us, not something for us to... be prideful about or, 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 or be self-righteous about. And then on the flip side, though, guard against shame. Because if you start doing this, you know what's going to happen? 
you're not going to do it perfectly. You're going to start failing. And you're, and you're not going to keep your, your rule of life perfectly. And so don't get bogged down in feeling guilty and shame about that. Remember, God is merciful. He loves to forgive. And he doesn't love us any less when we mess up. He doesn't, he doesn't love us less when we're not as faithful to him. So remember, only Jesus kept a rule of life perfectly. And because he was perfect in prayer and rest and work and relationships, we are credited with his righteousness when we trust in him. God sees us as perfectly righteous before God. So rest in the gospel. Rest in the fact that your identity is not in what you do. It's in what Christ has done for you. There are no have-tos anymore. Instead, there are, we get to do these things out of our freedom, not out of the law. Last night, uh, Rochelle and I hosted a few other pastors and their wives at our home. Um, we get together about once a month to, to share together. There are a couple other pastors in our community, and we share our lives together. We pray together. Um, we're open and honest about what's going on in our lives. And so I guess you could kind of say that it's a gathering that has become part of our rule of life, you know, under that category of community of companions for the journey. It's sort of a rhythm that we have, a monthly rhythm for us. But here's the interesting thing about our conversation last night. Basically, every couple that shared last night in that group shared about ways that we felt like we weren't really sure what God was doing in our lives. Like, we had a lot of questions. And we were wrestling with, you know, why, why is this happening, God? Or, um, you know, one pastor was sharing about how, how he was struggling to practice the spiritual routines and rhythms that, that he usually had in his life, that, that all of a sudden he felt like things had shifted and, he, and he, couldn't, he couldn't do those rhythms anymore, and he was struggling with that. And another couple shared about a wall they were going through in their family life, something that was really hard. And one way or another, by the end of our time, each one of us were at a place of realizing how desperately we need Jesus. How desperately I need Jesus. How I need his forgiveness and his leading and his power to change us and his strength to hold on. You know, we didn't end that time being like, man, we are such good pastors and we are such good Christians and we are just rocking this, this thing like our churches are growing and we, we left that feeling like, God... We're broken. We need you. And you know what? When we left, Rochelle and I turned to each other and said, man, I am so grateful that we have these pastors and wives that we walk through life together with. And I feel so close to God right now as we ended that time. That's why we need a rule of life. Because we need situations and moments like that where we come face to face with our desperate need for Jesus and where Jesus meets us in that place with his grace. We need that in our individual lives. We need that in our marriages. We need that in our families. We need that in our church. That's why we practice a rule of life. Not to pat ourselves on the back, but because 
We need this. We need to be reminded that we need Jesus desperately. We need to remind each other of that. We need to receive God's grace for us. This morning, we have the opportunity to to enter into another one of those spaces where we we come face to face with our desperate need for Jesus. As we partake of communion or the Lord's Supper. And this is a practice that the Christians have been doing for 2,000 years, ever since Jesus instituted this meal with his disciples at his last supper. It is a gift to us. It's not a have to. It's a get to. We get to receive this gift. And it's a meal where Jesus promises to be present with us. It's an opportunity to, re- to, to enter into those four areas that I just talked about, to enter into prayer and into rest and into work. It's not our work. Here it's God's work that he's doing. And into relationship as we are bound together in this meal as a body. As we follow what those early Christians did in Acts 2 as we come together to break bread with each other. And so as we come to communion this morning, I want to invite you to to be shaped by Christ through this gift as we remember what he's done for us through his death and resurrection and that, that this would also invite us into what else is God inviting us into in our lives? That we can build into the structure of our lives so that we can know him more, so that we can receive from him more fully. So let's pray as we enter into this time. Lord, we confess that that we are surrounded by this blizzard around us. Lord, we are just, we're inundated with with the pressures of our culture. And it's so easy just to, to go with the flow, to just be like everybody else around us, our coworkers and our neighbors. And when, Lord, you're inviting us to something different, you're inviting us to a life centered in you. And it's not... It's not a burdensome life, Lord. It's a life that, a life that's full of joy. A life that's full of freedom. It's a life that, where we can rest. Where we can delight. A life where we can know the creator of the universe. A life where we have deep relationships with people. Where we, where we bear our souls to one another and we're, and we're accepted and where we walk through life together, where we have marriages that are they're deeply connected around you, Lord, that are not just coexisting in the same household. Lord, we want more. We want this life that you're wanting to give to us. And so we pray, Lord, that you would show us what it is. What's that one thing, that next step that you're calling us to embrace in our lives? so that we can more fully walk into this idea of of a rule of life, of of a a pattern, of a rhythm that will help us know you more, to receive your grace more and more. Forgive us, God, for the ways that we fall. Forgive us for the ways that we resist this, the ways that we want to just be in control of our own lives. We pray that you'd open our eyes to see the gift of what we've been going through over these last weeks. And that you would invite us to keep walking this journey together. 
in our own lives and as a, as a church community. Do that in us, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.